This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're coming to you live from the Shedd Aquarium on Chicago's museum campus. Now, throughout the show, we've heard from experts about the impact of rising temperatures on the Chicago lakefront and learned about the biodiversity of Lake Michigan. And we also had some close encounters with Shedd's animal ambassadors. Now let's take this conservation, this conversation out of this world. <laughs> the James Webb Space Telescope launched last Christmas morning. And this week, NASA released the clearest and deepest images ever taken of the universe. They're spectacular. If you haven't seen them, look, look them up right now. Uh, and, and though we can't show you the pictures on the radio just yet, we can talk through what the breakthrough means for how scientists understand space today. So joining me now... Geza Juk, who's Director of Astronomy at the Adler Planetarium. Welcome, Geza. Thank you for having me. So you and I started talking off air. That's probably why I was so geeked for that intro. Your initial reaction to the, the images that have come out? Oh, they're just stunning. Amazing, beautiful, and deeply satisfying. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good word. I'm going to steal that. Um, tell us about them. You know, What do they look like? And, and more importantly, what are they telling us? So they look like... A splash of color. They look like crisp and and beautiful. The, the detail is just amazing. Uh, and NASA has selected a set of objects that are just really representative of the universe and what we hope to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're just they're they're beautiful from both just sort of an aesthetic sense of view, but also beautiful from what they mean for the future. Yeah. Talk more about that. So we we the. The James Webb has to sort of spend some fuel to stay in station. And luckily, we seem to have more fuel than we thought we would have at this point. So the James Webb is going to be around for about 25 years, 20, 25 years. That's wonderful. That means that, you know, the rest of my career, the James Webb is going to be there. And for future uh, graduate students and future astronomers, yeah. it's going to be there. Uh, so that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, how are these images different from previous ones that we had of... of- the same areas of, of space. How so, much clearer are, they, are these ones? Well, these are very sharp, and in particular, they're sharp and they're in the infrared. And infrared allows you to see deeper into the universe and deeper into dust and gas. And, uh, and so these are just, they're about three times sharper than, than the Hubble for the same sorts of images. Mm-hmm. That's just fantastic. That means you can see 10 times as much detail. Wow. Uh, there's one image, Geza, of uh, a dying star with, with what looks like another star in the middle of it. What's yes. going on there? So you have a star, and stars much like the sun. And towards the end of its life, it's going to swell up, get larger and larger and larger as it produces more and more energy. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, at some point, the outer portion of that star is going to just puff out. And that forms what's called a planetary nebula. It has nothing to do with planets, but it sort of is round and sort of glows, and people thought it was a planet. It looks amazing. I'm like, what is this ring of fire around this star? That's what I said when I first saw it. Oh, they're just amazing. The ring of fire, and then in the center, that very center, you have the leftover core of the star, still burning hot, incredibly hot, illuminating and and making glow this whole ring of fire, uh, as you said. And then, in this case, there was a binary star, another star that was... in tandem, uh, and it's it's not close. It's, uh, the, yeah, the how far is it? Well, that particular thing is, I think it's about two thousand light years away. Oh, jeez! And the, and the two stars are about the distance apart of, I think, like seventy-five times the distance to Pluto. So, so it's, it's a big system. Does it does it change our understanding of how stars are born or, or die? It's certainly going to. 
Uh, so the first images are, uh, you know, are things that are going to tell us a few things and just stun us. And then as we dig deeper into the images, as we get more images of similar systems, we're going to start looking into the details. You know, how exactly does the gas come out? When does it come out? Does it bring dust along with it? Because that dust that, that stars expel at the end of their lives, that's the stuff that makes up planets. That's oh. what makes up, you know, like solid planets like the Earth. All of us here on Earth used to be stardust. Quite literally, to borrow Carl Sagan's term. Yeah. You can find the same images uh, taken by the Hubble telescope on, on NASA's website. I, I got to say, they're, they're so blurry compared to the Webb telescope. Or are we just spoiled now? <laughs> we're, we're, we're just spoiled. I remember when the uh, Hubble images first came out, and everyone was like, oh, my God. Goodness, these are this is so groundbreaking, sharp. revolutionary. And now, now it's like hmm, now, blurry. years <laughs> later, you know, the James Webb Telescope was twenty-five years in the making, and wow, you know, it shows. How old is that telescope, the the Hubble? Oh my goodness! <laughs> old. Oh yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, it was first planned in in like the seventies or earlier even, and then it was launched. I remember. Back at the very beginning of my career when I was in undergraduate, it launched and everyone oh, wow. was excited. And then they realized, oh, wait, there's a flaw in the optics and everything's blurry. And they fixed that. But, but that, 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 that was a real disappointment. Now we're really seeing the, the, the difference. How yes. long did it take for the Webb telescope to capture each image? Remarkably short uh, because uh, how large the Webb telescope is. The Webb telescope is you know, about three times wider across than the uh, Hubble. So it's got okay. somewhere like nine times as much surface to gather the light. And so instead of taking weeks and weeks, it was Faster sure. shutter speed, too. That's right. Yeah. How big is it? So the sunshade is about the size of a tennis court. And the telescope itself is more than six meters across in those mirrors. Oh, my goodness. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are out of the studio, and we are out here on the steps of the Shed Aquarium with Geza Juk, who's Director of Astronomy at the Adler Planetarium. We're discussing the, the new images from the James Webb Telescope that was launched into space last Christmas. Um, so tell us about Carina Nebula. So the Carina Nebula is a huge stellar nursery. It's about a little bit over 7,000 light years away. And it's just, it's beautiful. It keeps coming to mind <laughs> yeah. uh, because it really truly is. Uh, it's where stars are being born. So stars have a life cycle. They start uh, as clouds of gas and dust, which then slowly collapse due to the gravity. And then they live out their lives on the main sequence as they slowly get brighter. And then towards the end of their life, typically, a star like the sun will swell up large like a big... It becomes a red giant and eventually puff out its outer layers. And then... Yeah. shrivel up and die as a white dwarf. It's a nursery for the stars. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Um, you know, I was flipping back and forth between uh, images of the same galaxies, uh, between the Hubble and the Webb. The stars in Hubble's photos, they've got four beams of light coming. You're, you're smiling. I think you know where I'm going with this. They've got four beams of light, and then the ones in the Webb images have, have six What's going on there, or am I seeing things? <laughs> no, you're not seeing things. So those beams of light coming out are artifacts of how the images are taken. They're called diffraction spikes. They're sort of, uh, how, they come about from how the light bends and distorts as it goes through the optics of the telescope. And the optics of the telescope, for Hubble and of uh, the JWST, are different. Yeah. And so that pattern will uh, look different. Generally, you only see them around the brightest of the stars. 
talk more about the uh, the Webb telescope and how it takes photos because the, the process is different than the Hubble. Right. right? So the, the Hubble has one single mirror, just one large mirror, about two and a, two and a bit meters across. They couldn't do that with the James Webb because the James Webb telescope had to fit in a in in the rocket that went and took it up. And that rocket is only so wide. Yeah. And it's not six meters across. And so they had to figure out a way to fold it. And so all those mirror so they made the mirror in segments which could fold and then they unfolded. Now oh. so that's the physical thing. The uh, in the in terms of the light that gathers, the Hubble gathers mostly visible light. Visible and a little bit of uh, ultraviolet and a little bit of infrared. I see. The James Webb is a, an infrared telescope. It mostly looks at light, light that we can't even see. Right. Right. So, so the Webb will, will primarily look at uh, the universe in the infrared. That's right. Versus uh, the Hubble studying it you know, primarily at optical and ultraviolet wavelengths. That's absolutely right. And that was a purpose, a design choice, because there are so many interesting things in the infrared. You can see further out into the universe. Uh, the light from the distant universe has been stretched. You can uh, go and uh, you can look deep into nebulas as well. Yeah. So the, the Webb telescope's not only larger, but it's farther out than the Hubble. Is that as far as a telescope can go? Well, we could put telescopes further out, and probably someday we will. Uh, but Man. The choice was to put the uh, the web further out because it is an infrared telescope. And so you wanted to get it away from anything that's warm. And we count as warm. So you wanted to be as far away as possible while still sort of, you know, not just completely floating out randomly. Mm-hmm. And so they chose this location, which is sort of somewhat stable uh, beyond the orbit of the moon, about yeah. a million kilometers away. A million kilometers. Wow. Uh, you know, one of the photos, Geza, has five bright spherical masses. It looks, uh, you know, kind of almost like five suns, but they're all galaxies, and some of them look like they're interacting with each other. That's, what does that tell us? That's right. That's Stefan's quintet. Uh, that's, that's a group of galaxies which are actually sort of in the process of, of merging. They're, they're falling towards each other. They're swirling around. And this merger process, you, starting with galaxies that are independent and then ending up sort of them falling together and tearing themselves apart, yeah. that's actually really common in the universe. A lot of galaxies go through that. Uh, in fact, our own galaxy is actually in the pre- process of swallowing up some smaller ones. The small Magellanic Cloud, the large Magellanic Cloud, some other ones that we sort of have already been teared apart and we can only see the traces left. Uh, all, pretty much all galaxies are cannibals. Let's touch on the, the spectrograph of that gas giant. Right. Okay. So there's a really lovely, I think it was WASP 96b. Uh, so that's a planet that is circling around. Uh, it's a gas giant planet that's circling around a star, much mm-hmm. like the sun. And it's circling really close. So it's a hot planet. But what's beautiful about it is the atmosphere, the planet passes in front of the sun, and, uh, the star, and some of the light from the, from the star passes through the atmosphere. It doesn't get blocked by the, by the planet, but passes through. Yeah. And by looking at that light and saying, well, if, it, if that light from the, uh, from the star comes without the planet in front and then with the planet, what's the difference in the types of light? What's the difference in the colors of light? And from that, we can tell what is the atmosphere made of. And so we've actually detected water. We know now for sure that there's a planet going around another star with water that's wow. hot and we can tell that there's clouds uh, we can tell that there's probably a haze so we're beginning to piece out what do these planets really look like and what's happening so i gotta mention guys that there's a comment from our, our crowd here today at, at the shed uh karina daniel says you just mentioned the karina nebula earlier i'm named after it fantastic <laughs> <laughs> where are you karina 
Oh, hey. <laughs> Karina's been here for the entire show. Thank you for sticking around. That's pretty cool. Um, i got to ask you, guys: are, are there any other signs of life in these clear photos? Okay, so for right now, uh, no signs of life. Uh, we don't expect to see direct signs of life uh, from the uh, web images. What we do possibly expect to see is that we might eventually see signatures, the so-called mm-hmm. biosignatures, in some of these spectra coming from uh, extrasolar planets. So we might see something that's like, oh, wait a second, why do we have oxygen or the signature of ozone in a particular uh, planet's atmosphere? Mm. Because that's oxygen doesn't tend to stick around because it likes to react with things. Yeah. And so what to, does that tell you? That, that would tell me that there's a possibility that something in that planetary system, something on that planet, is creating oxygen. On Earth, that's life. That is... Pretty, pretty remarkable. When can we expect more images to come out? Oh, we're, scientists are chomping at the bit. The, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the proposals for more. We just got these and we already want more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, they're, they're not going to let uh, poor JWST uh, wait around. It's, it's every moment of its, of its time is, is being used for images. Now, yeah. a lot of them are going to be science images that might not look so interesting. Yeah. But they're also going to produce a lot of really beautiful images out of this. Geza Juk is Director of Astronomy at the Adler Planetarium. Geza, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.